0: There goes the Daverhood. You got David Leftavis here. He's a Long Island arts guy. He's got his own radio show.
1: first day of autumn, September 22nd, 2009, to the 317th episode of a little show I like to call Dave's Gone By. I call it that, A, because I'm the host. My name is Dave Lefkowitz, and I'm a radio personality, journalist, theater critic, and humorist, hopefully, and I'm going to make your hour and 15 minutes pass as painlessly as possible as I try and do every single time we do a program of Dave's Gone By. Also uh, call it that name, because all our older shows are listenable at the website, davesgoneby.org. And remember, that's Dave like my name, davesgoneby.org. And if you go show by show, if you look at the listings of our archives, or you actually go and start listening to these shows, if you are that desperate, well, you'll find that every show is a little bit different. I mean, they tend to follow sometimes of a particular kind of format. I mean, we'll do our inside Broadway segment where we tell you all the big news of the Rialto on and off Broadway and maybe review a show or two. And we might also have a guest now and then. Everything from uh, famous musicians like Peter Tork of the Monkees or folk singer Christine Lavin or Neil Sedaka. I mean, they've all been on the show. Or folks like filmmakers and theater people and some people who are even further afield than that. We'll do something like that. Sometimes we'll have a sketch or a song. Sometimes we'll play music. Sometimes we'll remember people uh, who have recently left us in the arts and entertainments. Uh, And and I don't know why I put that entertainments as plural, I I guess because there are so many kinds of them. But that's what we try and do every week. We we mix it up a little bit to keep it interesting, to keep it fun. And uh, we've been doing it for 316 previous episodes of the show. So I like to think that uh, we're kind of doing something right. But I mention all that to let you know that today's going to be a really cool, typically chalk filled episode. We've got all these different kinds of things going on, which is why you should stay tuned. First of all, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my life in Greeley, Colorado, because I spent the first 45 and a half years of my life living in New York, be it in Brooklyn or Long Island or Manhattan, and so to move just six weeks ago was a huge stage and a big deal in my life, so I'm still getting the hang of things out here, and I like it very much, but there's all this stuff that I'm learning about and trying out, and so tonight, uh, hopefully there will be time, you're not only going to hear about my visit to the local house of worship to kind of keep in touch with my brethren. I'm certainly not remotely a a religious person, but it's kind of nice to know when you move to a place where you're a super, super teeny minority, that uh, you're not quite the only one. And so we went to services, and something rather interesting (laughs) happened there. I don't know. Trouble seems to follow me wherever I go. And also, I tried food. Now, I'm adventurous when it comes to meals. I will want to try different cuisines and different ways of making cuisines. And if I go to a foreign country or a foreign place, I'll look at the menu and try to order something I've never had before, never even heard of, if it's not too terribly disgusting. I'm not like that guy on, I guess, the Food Channel or whatever it is, where he goes to places and eats all the bugs covered in chocolate and caramel, or he'll eat a lobster in the shell, or or whatever they do over there, the sugarcoated dung which I have tried, by the way, and it's quite delicious, but I don't go quite there. And yet, I did try something this week, something that is a real kind of Western delicacy, if that word could be used, called Rocky Mountain Oysters. And uh, some of you are chuckling because you know what those are, and those of you who aren't chuckling yet, well, you'll just have to listen in later in the program to find out what they are, how they're cooked, and how they taste (laughs) I'll let you know. Also on tonight's program is is more than just me walking around Colorado. Oh boy, so much more than that. Tonight on Dave's Gone By, we have Inside Broadway, as I mentioned before, where we've got news of uh, what's going to be happening on Broadway this season, some pretty exciting things, and... Also, this being right in the midst of the high holy days. I mean, last week was Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. And then we're just a few days from Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement that we have. So a couple of things. Glad to be talking about going to synagogue last week. But what could be more Jewish and more appropriate for this time of year than to have a visit from the great Rabbi Saul Solomon? of Temple Sons of Bitches in Great Neck, New York. Uh, The rabbi is here with us. I'm so proud. It's the first time he's been on the air in in quite a few months now. So he's ripping and raring to go. And he's got a guest. He will be talking to an actor named Burt Edwards. Burt Edwards is 81 years old, going absolutely strong. He has been on Broadway a couple of times, including appearing in the final tour, and then the tour came to Broadway, of the King and I, with Yul Brynner. So he was up there on stage with the one and only in one of the great classic musicals of all-time Broadway. So I'm sure the rabbi will ask him some stuff about that. But the reason that the rabbi is talking to Bert Edwards is because he's going to be in a new off-Broadway off, off Broadway show called Next Year in Jerusalem. So, you know, it all, I, what I love, I'm kind of like Ben Skelza, in this way. I love it when it all kind of ties together in some semi-meaningful fashion. So you've got all the high holiday stuff going on and the rabbi and the Jewish play and me going to synagogue. It, it's kind of neat plus the Broadway thing, so that ties in. And um, let's see what else. Oh, um, we do have to make time towards the end of the show for the sad news this past week of the passing of Mary Travers, of Peter Paul and Mary Faye. This is really you know, folk music was such an important part of my life in my school years, like junior high school and high school, before I kind of moved into rock and roll without really leaving folk behind. But there's a point when you kind of have to go from folk into the other thing to, um, because there's just more to it in a certain way. But boy, oh boy, for a couple of years there, I lived and breathed people like Tom Paxton, uh, who was a guest on the show, um, you know, uh, Phil Oakes. Peter, Paul, and Mary. And so uh, The Loss of Mary is kind of a cultural touchstone, even though I'm a little younger than the folks who really were part of that era and affected by the movements that were going on during PP&M's heyday. But still, um, she made some terrific and still very, very uh, touching music with Peter, Paul, and Mary. So we're going to hear some of it and say a proper farewell to Mary Travers towards the end of the show. But uh, we've got to begin the show just reminding you that it is brought to you by some wonderful sponsors, including Hewlett Minuteman Press, the copy kings of Broadway. The Toron family has owned Hewlett Minuteman Press since the 1970s. You know There are Minutemans all over the country, but their franchises, and this particular one, in Hewlett, Long Island, on Broadway, right across from the Lowlands, this one has been owned and operated by the wonderful Toron family since, well, gosh, 30-odd years now. And they're very great people, terrific to work with, fair prices, and they do a good job on copy jobs, big and small. And, if you tell them Dave send you from Dave's by, you get 10% off any job. Hewlett, Minuteman Press, they're the kings. Also, this program is brought to you by Fancy Schmancy Balloons, which is um, an operation that Jeff Goodman, who is very often a guest or guest co-host on this radio program, or I, I should—I got stop calling it a radio program. It's an audio program now. It's a webisode. We still haven't really come up with a word for it. I mean, it's also a podcast, but I, I, podcast seems very limiting to me. I mean, I think it's great that people can download the show as a podcast and listen to it wherever. But I still think you think it's this place to be in, at your computer, put it on, listen to it, it's an um, audio sewed. I'll work on it. And if you have any suggestions as to what else to call it, nice ones please, send them to davesgoneby.aol.com, that's D-A-V as in Victor, E-S, com. Anyway, I was saying about Jeff Goodman, the practitioner, the proprietor of Fancy Schmancy Balloons, that it isn't just balloons. It isn't just that he goes there and makes maybe balloon animals or blows up some nice Indian balloons for your party. These are like really nice mylar-designed balloons, and there are centerpieces, the things that are on your table. So if you're doing a bar mitzvah or a christening or any kind of big party, and let's say you have a, a theme that you want, like baseball or the New York Jets or Broadway theater or Star Trek or Star Wars, whatever it is, he'll design the party and the way the whole thing looks. And also, if you're doing a party and you're starting from square one and you don't know what to do, give Jeff a call because he also knows caterers and DJs and everything you need to make your party spectacular. Shouldn't your event be a fancy schmancy event? Give Jeff a call at 516-797-3229. 516 797 And this program is brought to you by Performing Arts Insider Theater Magazine, the Bible of Broadway since 1944. Can't believe it. It's almost 66 years old now. Performing Arts Insider, it tells you everything, literally everything, you need to know about Broadway off and off, off off-Broadway, as well as cabaret, opera, dance, and special events happening in New York City. There are calendar listings, so you know what's happening in New York day by day by day. And there are also very comprehensive listings that are alphabetical of every show on Broadway, all the shows playing off-Broadway, um, how to contact the people that are involved in them. If you want to contact the producers or maybe do an interview with one of the actors. It's all in Performing Arts Insider. Please find out more at performingartsinsider.com and also please go to davesgonbi.org to find out how you can get a really, really big discount on subscriptions to Performing Arts Insider because you are a Dave's Gone By listener. So keep listening to this rest of this episode of Dave's Gone By because we have the rabbi and Bert Edwards and we've got Inside Broadway and we've got me going to the temple and eating oysters, Rocky Mountain oysters, and saying farewell to Mary Travers. All that coming up Don't Go Away. Meow! I'm not an ordinary cat. I'm a copycat. I love to make copies. So my favorite place is Hewlett Minuteman Press. For three decades, they've been on Broadway in Hewlett, printing booklets, making business cards, designing wedding invitations, and making millions of copies. Meow! How good is Minuteman? Hey, I used to have one life. Now I've got nine! Hewlett Minuteman, on Broadway opposite Loman's. Tell him, Toner the copycat sent you for 10... 10% off. Inside Broadway, brought to you by Performing Arts Insider and TotalTheater.com. Yes, let us travel inside Broadway for news of the Rialto, all the stuff that's happening on the stages of New York. Well, I was kind of sad a couple of, you know, week or two or three ago with the closing of Avenue Q, that Tony-winning, wonderful, hilarious musical, one of my favorite shows in recent years, uh, closed on Broadway after, uh, let's see, it ran 2,534 performances at the Golden Theater, but, you know, every show has its day, and that had been going on since July 2003, and even, you know, it was a move from off-Broadway. It started at the Vineyard Theater, so, yeah, you know, five years is a nice long run, or six years is a nice long run for a show, but guess what? Avenue Q is not going away. They're actually going to do something that they're saying has never been done before. See, lots of shows, as I said, move from off-Broadway to Broadway. They become a hit, and there's so many audiences who want to see it that there's a lot more money to be made, and you can get a lot more people in if you move it to a bigger theater uptown. Well... This show has made a pile of money, of course, (laughs) from its big Broadway move for all those years, and not to mention the touring stuff and everything else. But there's still a bunch of people who want to go see Avenue Q. So the producers are going to reopen the show virtually the same off-Broadway. It's going to be playing at New World Stages on West 50th Street starting on October 9th. And it's going to be an open run which means if people keep coming to see it they'll keep it going. And, And what's interesting is that New World Stages the theater that they're going to has 499 seats which technically is one seat shy of what would turn it into a Broadway theater. One of the criteria of what decides in New York what is a Broadway theater and what isn't is how many seats there are. And so if it's 499 seats, it's not a Broadway theater, but it's 500, it is. So so they're being very cagey about this, but I think that's lovely. Um, I'm so happy the show is, uh, is sticking around, and if you've never seen Avenue Q, by gosh, by all means, make your plans. And now you can even see it in an intimate, smaller space, it's probably going to be even funnier. So yay, some, some very happy news on Broadway, and also a lot of people, Sondheim fans, are going to be happy about our second piece of news. As we said last week, Angela Lansbury and Catherine Zeta-Jones are going to co-star in a revival of A Little Night Music. Yep, it is now confirmed, and the show is going to be opening December 13th at Broadway's Walter Kerr Theater. As I guess we all know, A Little Night Music is the show that gave the world Send in the Clowns, and also A Weekend in the Country, and it is one of sometimes more popular shows. I think it's one of the few shows of his post, like the Bernstein years and all that, that was a financial success. So probably going to sell a lot of tickets because you've got Lansbury. She won the Tony just last year for uh, being in Blythe Spirit. And of course, Catherine Zeta-Jones, the Tony winner, uh, excuse me, the Oscar winner for Chicago. So it should be a real, real interesting ticket. Now here's some stuff that's being worked on in the future, future, future. There's a show called Paradise. And who knows? You may want two tickets to Paradise at some point. The great Harold Prince, who directed Phantom of the Opera and Susan Stroman, who directed and choreographed the producers, are going to co-direct a show called Paradise Found. This is a new musical. It stars the cast here. John Cullum, Judy Kaye, Emily Skinner, she was in Sideshow, and Shuler Hensley, who was in that revival of Oklahoma a couple of years ago. And although his name is kind of a dirty word on this program, Mandy Patinkin. Although the cool thing is, Mandy Patinkin will be playing a eunuch. The show is kind of based on the thousand and one Nights, Arabian Nights. So Patinkin plays this eunuch who convinces the shah, who has 139 wives, that uh, his real soulmate will be number 140. Sounds kind of interesting, they're, they're first just developing this. And they're going to do it out of town, and then going to try to bring it into New York this spring. The show Paradise Found, we will keep our eye on it. Also, here's a show that I'm I'm kind of tickled about. Uh, William Finn and James Lapine, they're going to be working together. Now, Finn is the brilliant uh, songwriter, composer, who did Falsetto Land? He also did 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. And of course, James Lepine is a well known playwright, director, uh, book writer. He wrote, co wrote Sunday in the Park with George with Stephen Sondheim. But Finn and Lepine are working now on a musical adaptation of Little Miss Sunshine, and they're going to be doing it at the Sundance Institute Theater Lab. I think that's just the perfect material for them. That's that's such a terrific little movie and such a surprising left field kind of comedy. And and I hope it's just perfect for them. And just before we close out this quick installment of Inside Broadway, I just wanted to uh, do a little bit of kudos and congratulations to Neil Patrick Harris for uh, hosting the Emmy Awards. I didn't get to see them, but by all accounts, he did really great. He got terrific reviews. Now, he got that gig because he was such a knockout. At the Tony Awards show when they had him, you know, and, the, and what's also nice is that the Emmy ratings and the Tony ratings were up a bit this year too. So you know, it's kind of nice when a real Broadway kid makes good, and, and the career that he's had. I mean, he started as a child star as Doogie Hauser M.D., and you know, you can end up doing that and nothing else with your life, or just spending your your days in reality television or, no, he chose the better way. He started doing theater, really working on his acting chops. Uh, I think he was in Assassins on Broadway, he did Cabaret on Broadway, and uh, now I think it's really great that he's getting this kind of acclaim. I think he's, on, he's actually on the cover of New York Magazine this week. It's kind of a gross picture that <laughs> I can't really look at because he's, you know, you just see his face in full and he's putting on lipstick, which is a bit gross. But it's saying, hey, he is being touted as the first real breakout star who is out and openly gay. Now, I can rack my brains for whatever and try and think of some others who would be. I mean, there's Harvey Fierstein, but he's sort of niche. And then there's maybe Paul Lynde, but that was always closeted, nudge, nudge, wink, wink sort of thing. So I don't know. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't the first out gay, you know, heartthrob Hollywood, possibly leading man icon all I know is that Peter Fitzgerald will likely be crushed. Anywho, that's Inside Broadway. We'll be back with more of Dave's Gone By right after this. We've just been Inside Broadway, thanks to TotalTheater.com and Performing Arts Insider. If you have no idea what to see on Broadway this season, have I got a magazine for you. Performing Arts Insider, the Bible of Broadway and beyond. Every show is listed with enough information to make you a theater expert, just like the professionals who've relied on PAI for 64 years. Get the most recent issue at PerformingArtsInsider.com. Dave's Gone By listeners get a steep discount on subscriptions, so visit PerformingArtsInsider.com for Broadway the best way. When a man is born, he's born with a foreskin. But the complete man... Is to be without the foreskin. Mosletalk,
2: Mosletal, I don't think it's in. Congratulations. Congratulations.
3: Shalom, damn it, shalom everybody, happy new year to you, happy holidays to everyone. This is Rabbi Solomon here and I am so thrilled, I am so delighted and excited to be back on the radio. Well, it's not really the radio because it's just on the internet so it doesn't count as much, but for me it all counts because I'm able to reach you with the joy and the beauty of Yiddishkeit and all things Jewish, semi-Jewish and in this particular case, not even particularly Jewish, because I have a guest, a Goyish guest! I think this is the first time I've ever talked to one of these people. So, uh, forgive me if I'm a little flustered, or I don't know what I'm saying, it's just I'm trying to uh, protect what I have spiritually. I think I can do this, but you never know. That's why we tune in. Anywho, the person that I'm going to be talking to is a veteran actor. Someone who is now doing a play off, off, Broadway in New York at a place called the Workshop Theater, meaning it isn't quite ready yet. They're still workshopping it. I don't know. I'm just guessing on that. But the, the show... This is why I was attracted to this. It is a play, a dark and sad, but a little funny, but mostly sad, play called Next Year in Jerusalem. And it takes place... Uh, the plot is in a Seder, too. So I'm really... I'm very excited about this, and I'm excited to talk to one of the stars of this play. His name is Bert Edwards. He is not Jewish, but I welcome you anyway. Bert, how are you?
0: Hello there, Rabbi. How are you?
3: Oh, let me teach you a Jewish word. Let me teach you Shalom. Shalom. Say it again. Shalom. Now say it and mean it like hello. Shalom. Now you're talking, God damn it. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. So how many years have you not been Jewish? How many years? So I us tell you my actual age. It's 81. Are you He's what really? years old. Oh, But this is so lovely, this is uh, exciting, and you still, uh, you know, can chew your own food, and you, you don't wear plastic underwear. That's true so far. And... How long that will last is anybody's guess. But <laughs> this, is, this is what you can get up there and do a show, what is it, eight times during a week? No, this show is only five times a week. Remember, it's off, off, off Broadway. Oh, it's, off, oh, it's three offs. Oh, good. the equity contract, we can only do five shows a week. Oh, I see. and for how many weeks? Well, when is this running? It's
0: very short. Before week one, because, it, you know, if we're, uh, we're con- contracted with equity, actors' equity, so we have to go by, abide by their rules. Of course, this is And true. they allow only so many rehearsals and so many performances in this type of contract.
3: Please, do you know that Hashem, that uh, God and Moses, had 613 laws of Jewish life? Equity has 7,000. This I do not understand. Equity has 10 times more laws. Well, no, it doesn't, but you do the math. I don't have time. So what drew you to this play besides the paycheck which you may not even be been getting? Well, that's true.
0: That's very true. No, it's just a beautiful play, I believe. And uh, it's about, you know, a... Uh, a, 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 an old gentleman who wanted to poll he was born in Poland and he married his wife in Poland okay and this was back in the 1940s and he wanted to go to Israel to help build the country there okay his wife resisted but she did go but after they had been there for a while she was determined to have her children in America also smart girl
3: smart lady yes. smart lady
0: smart lady so they came they came to America. He had relatives in Brooklyn, and they settled in that area, and he became quite well-off. He, he built a company of his own. His wife died and left two daughters, one of whom he gets along with beautifully, and one he doesn't get along with. Do you know
3: I have 19 and a half children? 19 I d- and a half? Yes, and I don't get along with any of them. It's very sad. Well, I hope you get some, some hope for the half-child that's coming along. It, it, possibly. Depends if the head takes its proper shape. At a certain point, uh, it'll be all right. But it's, I, didn't mean to inter- I didn't mean to interrupt, but I'm sorry about doing it. Continue, please. Okay. Well, the play was written by a lady named Donna
0: Leslie Goldstein. Ah, oh, there we go. That's my yes? kind of girl. Uh, yeah. Made, uh, vaguely autobiographical. It's oh. Her grandfather uh, and cousins and things like that, who uh, uh, settled in Brooklyn.
3: You know, I'm vaguely autobiographical, too. Are you really? Just vaguely, yes, just uh, vaguely. <laughs> so they come to Brooklyn. You settle down with the children, uh, one of whom you, one of whom is a beautiful, nice girl, and the other is—you uh, should pardon the expression—a biatch. Well, she's
0: rather free-minded. Oh, okay. Put it that way. A slut. And, uh,
3: My favorite. No,
0: that's okay. Continue. I'm sorry. Father, whose name is Abraham, that's me. Yes, you. Uh, has raised, has tried to raise the girls so that they have uh, uh, comfortable well-regulated life. And uh, my oldest daughter,
3: who is named Rahel... Is, is, is named what? Rahel. Rahel. Oh, you're trying. I like the way you... Let, let me teach you. I'm sorry to interrupt you again, but this is what the program's all about. Can you do the chuh? Say that again. Can you do the chuh? The uh, Oh, that's good. That. It's got a hook in there. It's so Rahel. Now, you tell me something, Rabbi. Yes. I, I have to say something like... She was my bashert. Is that the correct pronunciation of that? Well, I think you're, you're overextending it, but that is the right word. It's bashert. Yes. Bashert. Cut it down a bit. Bashert, yeah. It, it's like bashert. It's like bashert. Not like Sonny and bashert. It's bashert. She's the one for you. And I say, oh, I was kvelling. Kvelling? kvelling? That's very good. Kvell. You're kvelling. You're telling, You're happy. You're proud. Yes. Yes. What other words do you need uh, to, to check? I think that's the only one. You know, I was saying
0: saber for a while instead of sabra. Oh, no, like
3: no, <laughs> no, sab... It's are very different, uh, things. The Arabs were using sabers to kill the people in the sabras. Oh, that's That's no. how it works. I'm so glad they caught me on that one. Ah, uh, so am I. So, you're in Brooklyn. You got the children. What the hell happens?
0: Well, the, um, the oldest daughter, my favorite, Rahel, is,
3: uh... Rahel. Na- Wait, how do they spell it? How do they spell that? R-A-H-E-L. Oh, I'm. forgive me, you're right, it's Rahel. I thought it might be Rachel, but you're right, I'm sorry. Well, everybody else calls her Rachel. So I figured I, I
0: don't know. Anyway, it's written as Rachel, Rahel, R-A-H-E-L. Okay. All
3: right, anyway, yes, sorry,
0: Michael. And uh, she's married and has a, a charming daughter, but there's like 12 years difference between the two daughters, my daughters.
3: All right.
0: And um, uh, he, the, the play picks up when I but in, in my late 70s. All right. And I've established a, a well, a good home in Brooklyn, in uh, uh where is it, not not Brighton, but
3: Manhattan Beach. Well, uh, uh, we say Manhattan Beach. Manhattan Beach. Much better. Okay. okay. Yes.
0: Manhattan Beach. Right. right. This
3: explanation right. is longer than the play at this point. So what happens?
0: <laughs> well, it happens that the uh, the old man is dying, and they have their last. Seder. Uh,
3: seder. Seder. Seder? Seder. A Seder. You've never been to a Seder? Seder. Good, thank you. Have you ever been to one for real? Never. Real? In your 81 years a no Jew?
0: Bar well, all right, this is good. Some, I learned not to go too early to a bar mitzvah because they go on forever. <laughs> you just go for the food. <laughs> that's that's the thing to do. That's so, what I say to my daughter when she like Ah, I
3: see you just here for the food. No time for the prayer. Pretty much. This is the. Come on, when, when Jews go to the synagogue on a, on a Saturday morning, they all show up at 11.30 because they know at a quarter after 12, oh, the food is there. It's only the schmucks who show up at 9. They sit there for three hours waiting. What? Waiting to eat. You've learned a lot, Rabbi Solomon. I'm a, I'm a wise old man, what can I tell you? I'm wise enough to know that, okay, you're like a Seder, you're old, you're dying, and not you personally. And then there is a young,
0: one of my lawyers is named Ariel Cohen. And he is from Israel, huh? in America. And uh, he rather disturbs me by saying that he wants to be an American. He thinks that, you know, being in Israel, and he fought there, and he he's glad he doesn't do it anymore, you know, and it really disturbs the old man. Okay. So they have quite a little set to with that. And, um, uh, so, at, at, but he becomes very attracted to my youngest daughter, who finally arrives at the Seda very late. All right. And uh, they become an item.
3: Wait, how old is he? He's 79.
0: And she's? The young daughter? Yes. Oh, she's like 35. Uh, 30. yeah. Whoa! That kind of play is it? her. She, also, uh, the fellow that plays... There are flashbacks in this play. All right. They are, uh, 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 this
3: I'll play see. is
0: seven and a half oh, yeah. hours long. Very nice play. But this fellow that plays Alio Cohen, my lawyer, also plays me as a younger man in Israel. Okay. So there are flashbacks in those scenes. I'm a little too old to play myself as a young man. Just a little. So he plays those roles. And the, the girl that plays my wife is a lovely, lovely actress. And she sings, at the, at the Seda, she sings in
3: Hebrew, all of it, you know. The prayers, know. uh-huh. But, um,
0: and then the little daughter does the four questions. Right. And uh, I praise her for that and say it's better than last year and all that sort of thing. And as the play goes on, uh, my lawyer friend is there, the young the Ariel Cohen, and he and I get into this, this, this discussion, or the East discussion. Yes. About his his feeling about the, I guess you would call it non-Zionist.
3: that what is a non-Zionist? And it's uh, basically Jews who are stupid oh. enough not to believe in Israel. That's that's what I uh, that's my definition. Not to believe in Israel. There I are Jews that who uh, it. you have to understand. Uh, pardon me. They're, 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 you asked me for an explanation. I'm giving you one. There's um, Jews who feel that be- when. Israel is existing now, it is keeping the end times from happening, and when all the Jews in all the world get to go to Israel and everything happens, good. We shouldn't be in Israel yet. These are very stupid people who think that we really don't have a homeland, that it's a a bad thing that we created one. But the rest of us, the Zionists, the smart Jews, say, no, we need a homeland or else we get wiped out entirely.
0: Yes, that's what I thought.
3: Right, I thought I
0: had it right. But for instance, one of the things he tells me is that Seda, this, para, uh, this Israeli lawyer. Yes. It's 50 years ago, sir, and you are not Israeli. I am. What that means now is very different from what it meant to your generation. I have been hit by more rocks than I can count.
3: So I can have count I.
0: My breath, while grenades exploded too close to me, I could feel the air vibrate. I have no desire to live that way. I say next year on the Upper west side which is very offensive
3: to the old man. Well, uh, okay, I understand. I see the conflict there, and it's a it's a good conflict. I can act I so say, What to, is that, a joke? Something young man not worth anything, worth giving up your life for. You don't leave because it's ugly that you have to stay. And it goes on from there. Interesting. By the way, is that yes. the accent? How, how long did it take you to, to work on the accent that you're using for the old man Abraham in this play next year in Jerusalem? Well, not too bad. I mean... It comes pretty easily. Did you, did you talk to any it. Jews, or how could you, did you just come to you, or did you just watch oh, a particular... I've done a lot of accents in my career, okay, of various kinds. Just... Now, speaking of accents, let, let's make a little time to talk about your previous roles, because there were other shows that you did that must have been shorter than this one, that um, you appeared in, like, such as, you were on Broadway opposite Yul Brynner. I was indeed. Oh, my God. Bert Edwards, how old were you when this was 1985, correct? Yeah, I was, what, 55? Uh, like. So you, you were not quite a spring chicken, but you were... No. What not was not. it like? Tell us some Yule but Bringer stories. He was stories. Bringer's last final... You know, he did the
0: play 3,000 times. Yes. From 1950 until the end of his life. Right. And this was his last tour and Broadway production. We toured for about eight months in what we call a sit-down tour situation. It's playing cities for four or five weeks. Big cities. And then he had contracted for six weeks, six six months in New York. Right. And we came in to New York, and he was getting sicker and sicker, and had to cut down on some of his songs, like, Shall We Dance? They had to cut that in half. In fact,
3: it's now, it was just, Shall We?
0: That was, uh, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, go, please go on. <laughs> so, um, I remember when we were playing St. Louis, and Mike Wallace came out to do an interview with him, and you uh, said, I want to do another little piece of this which cannot be shown until after I die, and he did a piece about condemning cigarettes, pleading with people not to take up smoking, Right. and they did not show it until after his death. But when the play closed in 19, what was it, 85, in New York, uh, he... He was very sick, very sick. And he had never missed a performance in his entire life until those last three weeks of the run. And, of course, he had an understudy, but they wouldn't allow the understudy to go on because, you know... Everybody paid to see bringer, of course.
3: Yeah.
0: And it broke every record on Broadway at the time. Uh, but a, about a month or two after that, he was gone. He died.
3: But do you have any personal uh, memories of him besides him coughing, perhaps, or uh, any little anecdotes? Any thoughts about him as a he performer? Not, not terribly approachable. Right, I heard that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, a wonderful man. He was very good to me, but he could be a monster to some people. Oh, tell me, what who did he attack? Well, like the mothers of the kids in the play. That traveled with the show.
0: He could be, be just fierce with them, uh, and uh, like. The, the leading lady understood him at one, one time and he was
3: un, very unpleasant to her he could just be a monster when he wanted to see was, was there usually a reason or was it just he was on bad cancer drugs or just his personality I think it's mostly personality That <laughs> was a wonderful man he really was well it was wonderful to you
0: <laughs> I think he was, was really wonderful to everybody seeing that they were well paid and you know, everything was. it was first class working with him was first class. Every city we went into, the dressing room had to be painted brown. That was a peculiar opportunity. I remember, uh... Well, maybe,
3: maybe it's because he was coughing up nicotine and he didn't wow. want it to show on the wall. <laughs> that makes sense, but it wasn't true. So, exactly. <laughs> White
0: brown. And also another thing. Yes. He had bodyguards around him constantly. Two stage right, two stage left. And I thought, Nobody knew why, but a New York one performance. I my school scene was just before he enters, and uh, as I was going off stage, a man crawled over the orchestra pit and said, "He's my father. He's my father." And those bodyguards.
3: Wow, him be away. Yeah, but I had stars live in a different universe. They really do, not just the yeah. solar system, but there's just there's something about what they attract sometimes. Mm. Very true. Very true. Now speaking of attractive, you have appeared also on in the theater with some great leading ladies of oh, yes. our time: yes. Kim Hunter, yes. Tammy Grimes, uh, someone named Phyllis Thaxter, who I have no idea who it is. Oh, was. I'm sorry, no, I'm not that old. Was a wonderful actress back in MGM back in the nineteen forties.
0: All right, she, and played a lot of semi league roles. She was never a big star, but she was she was well known in her day. And Tammy Grimes. I got along very well with Tammy. Good. I liked her a
3: lot. All right. Very good.
0: Very nice lady.
3: Good. What about Kim Hunter? Kim was a divine lady. She really
0: was very, very good. I would say that of the eight ladies I played that show with... Wait, which show? It was the Cocktail Hour. A.R. Ah. Gurney's Cocktail Hour.
3: Yes, all right. Um,
0: go and know about cocktails. Nancy in New York. Nancy right. But of all of them that I played it with, Nancy. Marchand was by by head and shoulders the best, no question. Of that. I hope the
3: other ladies aren't listening right now. <laughs> I hope not either, but they were
0: they were all wonderful in their way.
3: Now now what made her? If you were an acting teacher, if you were just a, a student of the form, how would you? You can say, oh, she was the best, but why? What made uh, her the so,
0: best? At the time I went into it, she'd been playing it for a year. Oh, okay, so and I, I took know. over for Keene Curtis, who was the original. um... Uh, Male lead in the play. But, uh, so Nancy was absolutely familiar with the play, but she's just, a, was a very excellent actress. Just anybody, nobody will
3: dispute that. No, no, I'm not saying, but it, I always want to know what makes a difference, say, between a, a fantastic actress and a really good actress. What What is that quality?
0: That's a hard question, Rabbi. Oh, That's well. Very hard question. Uh, I ask the hard questions, David. A lot of, it, a, lot it. of it's, and a lot of it's cramped training, a lot of
3: it's just being who you are. Well, what would you say, uh, Bert Edwards, what would you say is your special quality as an actor? What do you bring to the table?
0: I, I hope it's honesty. Hmm. Okay. That's what I try for, I try for you know, to believe what I'm doing and uh, not to not to think of other things while you're on stage, but concentrate on your role.
3: Well, let me ask you: since you did the cocktail hour, how many millions of times was there a point when you're standing there after the 500th time and going, "Uh, what's for dinner? Uh, you know, I got to pay the bills." No, never to me. Always, always right there in the moment. So it was such wonderful pleasure to be doing it. This is this true? It's a lot, but acting
0: is a lot better than working in a dime store, you know.
3: Now, have you been able to be an actor consistently from when you started? Did you have to take other jobs, or was this always your only profession? It's always, no, I've always taken on jobs, often, often. For a year, I was a, a manager of the automobile club in Virginia. Oh, my goodness.
0: Okay. The travel department, there for, that was about 10 years. So I've done other things, and in New York, I've done, you know, little jobs on the side here and there to, to support myself. Of course. And when I was in L.A., I did a lot of voiceover work, and that kept me going. And yep. was, you know, a lot of TV things and films and stuff like that, but nothing major.
3: And is it tough now that you are in your 80s? Um, do you find yourself up for more roles, fewer roles? Are you getting maybe more now than you were in your 50s? Because that's a tough Many time. fewer. Many fewer.
0: Fewer. Okay. I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm out of the competition business now. I only I do this play because somebody asked me to do it. Uh, I, I don't go to auditions because, I mean, who wants an 80-year-old man? It's an insurance problem, for one thing.
3: You know, they think you're going to die before you finish the show. <laughs> they should look <laughs> at Michael Jackson. He was 50. No I, I, no, I know what you're saying, but is it great to, to, to tread the boards again then? Does it feel like coming home when you, you step on the, the oh, stage? yes.
0: Or? Yes, it does. It's a pleasure,
3: the greatest pleasure in the
0: world when you, when you do something that you really want to do and have the opportunity to do
3: I think this show is my swan song. Oh, well, uh, I'm that... I'm crying about it, but... What, you're, are you in good condition? Are you healthy? Do you have uh, all your eyes? Although I'm just getting over a broken foot. Oh, how'd you do that? Oh, I tripped
0: on something in my apartment while cleaning a house. But tomorrow they take the boot off. You know the boot you have to wear sometimes? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They take that off tomorrow and, uh, I should be able
3: to get into a shoe then. Well, I'm going to see you dancing and running about that stage and having a wonderful time in next year in Jerusalem. This dark d- drama that's 95 hours long, but sounds really, really good. <laughs> Remind Thank us, you, it, Rabbi, I is that the workshop theater? When it runs from October 8th until October 31st. It's just a short run. October 8th through the 31st. How can people get tickets to see you in no. this show? They can call.
0: extension number 5.
3: Say that again, please. online, they can
0: go to www.theatermania.com. Oh,
3: Theatermania, I know them
1: well. Say the phone number again, please.
0: 212-695-4173, extension 5.
3: Now, I never thought I would say this to a non-Jewish person, but Bert I look forward to seeing you next year in Jerusalem. <laughs> Ooh, Rabbi, thank you very much. Thank you so much. God bless you. Happy New Year.
1: You don't have to pay big bucks on Broadway to enjoy a funny play. You could sit in the comfort of your living room or bedroom and read a whole book of hilarious comedies by the one and only me, Dave Lefkowitz. Marriage, Babies, and the End of the World. Filled with my unique humor, satire, and spoofery. If you like my show, you'll love my book. $20 hardcover, $12 soft. Buy it at davesgoneby.org. Marriage, Babies, and the End of the World. That says it all, doesn't it? But
3: give it to me every hour.
1: Dave goes off. Dave goes off. Dave goes off. Dave goes off. Welcome back to Dave's Gone By. If you've been listening to the show the last couple of uh, episodes, you'll know that I've been talking a lot about the big move that my wife and I made just a couple of weeks ago. We lived in New York all our lives, but uh, my wife got a terrific job teaching out here, and since I do all the weird and myriad but non-desk-related things that I do while I was able to move out here with her up to northern Colorado. So being something of a fish out of water, <laughs> I think it's kind of cool to be on this show and tell you some of my experiences being a New Yorker now confronted with the wilds of the upper semi-north-middle Plains West. not really sure what you recall where we are. Just Just at the foothills of the Rockies. So most of it has been really, really good. I mean, in, in the six weeks that we've lived here, I think we've had two or three cold, rainy days. I mean, that's it. And every other day was either absolutely perfect, or it was hot, but not especially humid, so you could pretty much tolerate it. I mean, we're talking in the middle of August for that kind of stuff. So yeah, life's been, life's been sweet. There's the occasional little wrinkle, the the fact that every time I take my bicycle out to go a mile or two, I have to check the tires at the end of it to see if I'm losing pressure because they have these, uh, these little nettles called goat grass. And <laughs> nothing like, um, nothing like the grass you get in Long Island, this soft, tender, sweet little grass that you can walk on barefoot. There's this weed here and it's on the present called goat grass, I guess because it's thorny and rough and tough like a goat horn. Where. It grows, and it's sort of grass or weed-like, but then it shoots off these little thorny things that are really like thumbtacks. Swear to God, they they puncture tires like nothing. They just go through them like a knife through butter. And I've blown three or four tires by now, just in a month and a half, thanks to the the wonderful goat grass of northern Colorado. How nice. And I never did mention also the, the great greedy smell People have commented on that, that um, of all the things that I've talked about that I've been on here, moving and packing and unpacking and going around you know, the big open spaces and the school and all of that, I didn't mention the fact that Greeley is kind of known for meat rendering. That's what they do. That's, that's one of the main things, aside from farms and ag that they've got out here. You know, once you're here, you don't say agriculture, you say ag. So they've got ag and also plants that take meat and not only chop it up and make burgers and milk and whatever you got, but they render the fat from the meat. And for some reason, when they do that, and they also, you know, the farmers all fertilize their stuff. So at a point, usually at 5 in the afternoon, you get the greeley smell, which is manure-ish and also rendered beef-ish and smells like horse poop-ish. You don't smell it so bad if you breathe for, through your mouth, but if you're a nose breather at all, it's not the best time to be around here. I mean, it's not overpowering, it's not overwhelming, and sometimes it can be there and you really don't even notice it unless you're outside and you know taking a whiff through your nose and it's like, oh boy, oh yeah, they're they're in the middle of doing something horrible to a cow right now. I can smell that. But. It's one thing, it's, it's the kind of thing if you heard about it before you moved to a town, you would go, I have serious reservations about moving to that town. It's, it's, it's like New Jersey. It's like all of New Jersey. Someone tells you, well, New Jersey's a garden state and it's beautiful. But, of course, if you happen to live near this factory, it really stinks all the time. You would go, okay, there are 49 other states I think I'd rather live in. But it, it's interesting how you get there and you adapt and you like, Oh, today's a stinky day. It's a stinky afternoon in Greeley. And it only is for an hour or two. And then you go on about your business. And if you're indoors, you really don't don't notice it much at all. So, yeah, that's that's a bit of the Greeley stench that uh, I've been warned about. And now that I've, I've spoken about, I can say, okay, I've done it. I've talked about the Greeley stink. Now I can leave it go. What I also want to talk about is food. Because I'm a foodie. I love all kinds of food. I know this episode has kind of a Jewish tincture, but I'm not kosher, haven't been for many, many years. I'll eat anything that's put in front of me, or at least I'll try it. If I don't like it, I won't eat much of it, but I'll certainly give it a whirl. So I was very excited to go, first of all, to the farmer's market that they have in our town. They've got a farmer's market, at least in the the late, throughout the summer and early fall, twice a week, over by what used to be the train station. But it's now just a depot and, I think, a chamber of commerce. And the, the real, actual, honest-to-God farmer's market, and we're not talking about, for the most part, farms that are funded and owned, really, by Monsanto. We're talking real, local people with their real, actual, local produce and their fields, They're their few acres. And they bring out whatever they got. Their tomatoes, this time of year I'm seeing peaches, uh, some apple, tons of corn. Lots and lots of really fresh, sweet corn out here. And they've also got other people. People have ranches. Uh, One person brings their frozen meat, and uh, I, I bought some that was delicious. And another person had bison there, which I've tried before. But I was disappointed because sometimes at the farmer's market, I am told, they have yak meat. I don't know if anybody within the sound of my voice has ever tried yak meat. I'm not sure I really, well, as I said, I'll try anything, so I'm just curious. And I was so disappointed they weren't there, because I I don't, I've never tried a good loin of yak, you know, or or even if they just have a yak burger, yak loaf, I don't know. Um, Someone said that, uh, someone told me, when I asked them what yak is like, they said, well, it doesn't taste like meat. And this, this gave me pause for reasons that should be obvious. I mean, and they didn't say that it tastes like chicken. And they said it's a little sweeter than meat. They really got me quite curious. So um, if anybody out there has tried yak and mm-hmm. then really likes it, as if perhaps maybe yak too young or, or yak wellington, please uh, email me at davesgoneby at aol.com mm-hmm. and, and let me know. And let me know where I can get a really fine uh, loin of yak or something like that. I, I would love to try it. Anywho... That's my one food story. So I never did get to try that yet. But what I did get to try was, um, well, probably actually a lot more common, but certainly not out east. Out east, we, we supposedly have more sophisticated palates. Ha ha. I mean, there are things that we just won't touch and won't try because they're too ooey. Well, I had the opportunity this past weekend to go to a bar, which is not something I never really go to, but what happened was I missed Potato Day and I was really upset about that. They have in our town a potato festival, which really isn't about potatoes at all. You you go in and they'll hand you a baked potato with all the fixings on it. Yay, okay, Potato Day. But it's, it's really it's a more historical thing for the kids. There's face painting, you know, and there's people dressed the way they were a hundred years ago when they were living in the town and turning yaks into leather and yak birders and uh, making shoes, and teaching in one-room schoolhouses. It's all you know, that kind of thing, which is a lot of fun, which is very nice. But the day that they had it was that one lousy, horrible, rainy, cold day that we've had here since I've been here. So I didn't want to go walking around in the middle of a you know, icky rainstorm just to, to see some people dressed in clothing from a 100 years ago. I passed on potato day, for which I feel some level of sorrow. So I wasn't going to miss the opportunity to go to Bruce's Bar in Severance, Colorado. Severance is about half hour away from where we live. And it was a town at one point not so long ago of just a couple of hundred people. But like everything else, it's been developing, and now they have two or three thousand. But it's still, it's a small town. It ain't got much. I saw the post office. And the post office is literally like a one-room schoolhouse. It's 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 really, we're talking old country here. And they have, the the town is on the map because of this bar. This bar that I was told by the the wonderful couple that we uh, went with, Gwen and Jeff. terrific couple, and they've been going there for years. And Jeff has known the place and known the previous owners. And he said that it was only until... Quite recently, was an incredibly ramshackle little nothing. And it was just, you know, when, when the rains would come, the roof hadn't been fixed in years, so you'd bring these five-gallon buckets into the bar, and the rain would drip in the buckets, and you'd have your beer, and people would go there they, they, in the area. They'd go out hunting, and they'd bring the goose to Bruce, and Bruce would, you know, skin it and peel it and freeze it and whatever and give it back to them when they finished a the beer or two, and then they'd go off and on their way. So it was like that for many years and it became a local legend for that and also because Bruce was kind of a this gadfly of the town and, and running the bar as he saw fit without making the necessary repairs because I guess he didn't have the money but he also became known. His niche was serving something called Rocky Mountain oysters. These are not fish. These are not clams. These are not oysters. These are, as um, I think they also mentioned in well, no, in, in the movie Cabaret, they talk about prairie oysters, but there she's just putting an egg in some uh, gin or something like that. No, this is, this is not that. This is a Rocky Mountain oyster, which means there are parts of a bowl, two parts, quite literally, that were hanging off the bowl, but are no longer. Now, every man listening to this program just crossed his legs. I know that. I just did it myself. I couldn't help myself. That's what they do. And before the animal rights activists get all head up and you, know, you get like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that to The poor boy, you understand that they're going to be castrating these animals anyway. Uh, they don't do it for necessarily the most righteous reasons, the way we castrate our pets so that they don't overbreed and over-reproduce and also apparently, you know, you, you Neuter your dog or pet because they're less likely to get cancer. Blah 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 blah. No, they they neuter their bulls so that they're more passive, more easy to deal with. I guess they put on more flesh. So if yeah. you eat them, I don't know. All I know is that they do it anyway. And rather than throw the balls away, well, somebody figured this might be tasty. And at some point, you know, you, God bless them. If you're going to kill an animal, cook and eat and use as much as you possibly can. So if that's edible go ahead and do it. And they take the nuts of the bowl and they fry them up. And they're called Rocky Mountain Oysters. So we, our friends took us to Bruce's Bar to sample this cuisine. Now my wife, of course, <laughs> it was nothing for her, because she's a vegetarian and has been that way for about three years now, so there was no way in hell she was going to sample one of these. But I give her credit even for being in the same room has them. The, the big surprise is, I mean I wasn't surprised that they came to the table breaded, because that's the way this particular place cooks them, they're deep fried in breading, much the way they do with you know, tempura if you're in a Japanese restaurant, or kind of a heavier thing like French fries or, or coated um, yucca plant, you, you might get that somewhere. But the thing that surprised the hell out of me was, they're not round, you would figure they're being served the roundest thing in the universe, a pair of bull's nuts. And you figure they come to your table, breaded, round, you cut into them, kind of like um part of the giblets of a turkey that you get, you know, the stomach thing that, that they hang down. No, no, apparently the, the balls are so big that they're cut into strips and then fried. You couldn't actually fry a whole bull ball and make it tasty. you can not cut into it. It'll be too tough or it won't cook all the way through. I, mean, I, I really don't know the particulars and I'm not about to study the particulars. But you know, it, well, that was the big disappointment. They didn't look anything like testicles. They looked more like flo- fried clam strips. And in a way if you had told me if you blindfolded me and told me that I was eating fried clam strips, I'm not sure I would have really known the difference. Because once you take anything and put it in batter and deep fry it in hot oil. It's really an excuse to eat batter and dipping sauce. Whatever happens to be inside the batter, and it could be fiberglass, doesn't really really matter. You're eating batter and sauce. And you know what? It's very nice batter and sauce at, at Bruce's bar. You know, you, you come on, they give you ketchup and they also give you a ketchup mix with horseradish and they have mustard there and some other dipping sauces. Can you take it? And they're nummy. I had two baskets of balls, ladies and gentlemen. And we went the night before. The real famous thing that Bruce's bar does is the nut run. They are part of this chain apparently where bikers, these, these people on their big Harley and other types of motorcycles, go from bar to bar and restaurant to restaurant throughout a certain region. All these places would be serving these Rocky Mountain oysters, these nuts. And they'll go and sample them and have some brewskis at each one. And it's called the Nut Run. So the day after we went to this restaurant, I'm sure there were like dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds of motorcycles and all these bikers going around hoisting a few, listening to live music and, and eating testicles. So I don't know if there's irony in that, but God bless America either way. Uh, all, I, all I have to say... In closing about this is that I have spent the last 25 years in the theater community, so this is nothing new to me. I am surrounded by nuts. We'll be back right after this. Psst, you wanna buy a watch? No? How about a dishwasher? Vacation in Europe? Well, what's wrong with selling my stuff this way? How else? Advertise? On Dave's Gone By? Take a 30 or 60 second ad on the radio? I can't afford that. I can, and I'll reach thousands of listeners all over America? Well, how do I... Dave's Gone org has all the info. Rate card and everything? Done deal! Hey, before I go, want to buy a raincoat full of watches? Welcome back to Dave's Gone By. Time for a segment called Dave Says By. Kind of a sad segment that we have to do every now and again, where we say farewell to some people who made life better because of what they contributed to the world. And so a couple of people want to say farewell to this week on the show. First of all, I wish I could play it, but I haven't been able to find the CD with the song People Who Died on it. It's really a great classic punk new wave rock number, however you want to call it, by Jim Carroll. And Jim Carroll died this week. He certainly had his different different modes of life, the successful author and poet and songwriter, and uh, of course people who died, you know, track that song down because it's so great. And really based on all these people he knew who were passing away right and left when he was younger because they were all junkies just like him. And he went through various stages of his life where he couldn't get rid of the drugs either. And he died uh, rather young. I, I forget whether he made it to 60 or if it was just 50. I think he hit 60, but anyway, also, if you can give a listen to um, Bing Skells' program on New York station WFUV from last week, I don't know if they still archive them, but uh, check it out. He does a very nice tribute to Jim Carroll, where he plays that song, and he also plays Carroll doing this live-spoken poetry thing of recalling a real avant-garde performance that he did. Very, very funny stuff involving a cockroach. Uh, really worth checking out. Wish I could play it for you here, but I don't have it. What I do have are a couple of songs by Mary Travers, uh, Mary of Peter, Paul, and Mary, who was born on November 9, 1936. She was born in Kentucky, but uh, raised mostly in New York. In fact, it's kind of interesting that she was part of the whole Greenwich Village folk boom, and all these people who were migrating to the village from other places because they just had to be part of that scene. She was there. She was really living in the village and taking singing lessons. And by uh, the mid-1950s, she was already singing backup on an album or two of Pete Seeger and stuff that he was doing. I'm sure she took some of her poise and some of her vocal forwardness from Ronnie Gilbert of the Weavers. But, of course, she had a style and a sound all her own. And it's, uh, it's such a shame that she spent the last few of Last few years, suffering from cancer. I mean, we thought uh, people who liked their music and, and followed them, Peter Paul and Mary, that she would have died a couple of years ago. I mean, she did get that other lease on life. She was real, real sick, and then she beat cancer for a while. So that's terrific. But you know, at at some point, it wins in the end. And and Mary did die at age uh, 72 last week. So we're going to play some Peter, Paul, and Mary music, including the one song I think that most encapsulates her specialness for me. It's one of the more beautiful songs ever written, and and this is a powerful version. I'm going to play the version off the very first album. It's self-titled, Peter, Paul, and Mary. If you go on YouTube, though, there is a clip of the three of them performing live in front of an audience, some evening. It looks like they're performing outside, and it's shot in black and white, very beautifully and eerily. But it's also incredibly haunting. So if you if you get to YouTube, Peter, Paul, and Mary, look for the song "500 Miles" and watch that clip. And and damned if it's not going to raise the bumps on your flesh and maybe even bring a couple of tears to your eyes because. This song does that. It's called 500 Miles, and here's Peter Paul and the late Mary Travers. 15 years ago. They were doing a Christmas concert in New York. And I, kinda, I was interested in seeing them, but I kind of had to drag myself, because I'm not really into Christmas music at all, for lots of reasons, and you know, as much as I really wanted to see Peter, Paul, and Mary, they were in some level past their heyday. It was great that they were back together, but there was something a little bit icky and corny about what they're doing. There's certainly a sentimental and occasionally gooey aspect to their work, but seeing them in concert was so special, and so sweet, and yes, there's a little sentimentality there, a little gooeyness, but there's a lot of humor that was unexpected, especially uh, Paul is, is uh, quite the comedian, and then just hearing them all together singing, and their various personalities, and the strength of Mary Travers out there. I, I wouldn't have traded that night for a lot of other things in my life. So got a bid farewell to one of the folk greats, and uh, as I said earlier in the program, folk music was so important to me uh, in my early musical life. And Peter, Paul, and Mary were right, absolutely right there. I mean, I'll, I remember listening to uh, WKTU FM in New York for a while. They were on a wonderful station playing mellow rock and real folk music. And uh a you know, little piece of me died one day when I, I was sitting around doing whatever. I think it was playing solitaire or something, listening to KTU and realizing that the last couple of songs they played were disco music. And I said, well, did the station uh, dial flip or did something happen or is there some kind of weird thing going on? And it was just like that. It was this instantaneous format change and it was all gone. You know, no acknowledgement and no more Tom Paxton and no more Weavers and no more John Denver and no more Peter, Paul, and Mary. So it was that sad moment of a loss. And there's an even bigger one now. But uh, we certainly honor and miss the voice and the presence of Mary Travers. And we will be right back.
2: You have asked me why days fly by so quickly and why each one feels no different from the last and you say that you are fearful for the future you have grown suspicious of the past and you wonder if the dream We shared together Have abandoned us Or we abandoned them Can you cast about And try to find new meaning So that you can feel That closeness once again Carry on my sweet survival My lonely friend, don't give up on the dream, and don't you let it end, carry on my sweet survivor, Though you know that something's gone, everything that matters, carry on.
1: Today, it gone by. Time to do our farewells here. Just reminding you that this program is brought to you by Hewlett Let Minuteman Press, the copy kings of Broadway, located at 1315 Broadway in Hewlett, Long Island. And remember... Every Dave's Combine listener gets 10% off any job, big or small, at ULIT Minuteman Press. The program is <laughs> also brought to you by Fancy Schmancy Balloons for all your party and decorating needs. Shouldn't your event be Fancy Schmancy? Call 516-797-3229 and ask for Jeff. 516-797-3229. And Dave's Gone By is also brought to you by Performing Arts Insider, the Bible of Broadway since 1944. Every single aspect of Broadway and off-Broadway and everything going on on the stages of New York, from cabaret shows to big awards and events, Performing Arts Insider, and visit PerformingArtsInsider.com for all the information about how you can subscribe to this terrific magazine. Be sure to visit also Totaltheater.com, the producer of this show. There are 2,000 plus theater reviews up there now, and 300 feature stories, plus so much more. You've got to check out Totaltheater.com. Also, DaveStopBuy.org. That is where you find out about... This show. See pictures of me and find out about all the guests that we've had over the years. And of course, it's the place to hear our archives. Hundreds of our episodes are available to stream or podcast, just like this one, absolutely free anytime at all. Just go to davesgoneby.org. Also, please check out YouTube for Shalom, Dammit. That's the TV show that Rabbi Saul Solomon did a year or so ago. They're all up there, all 10 episodes. They're divided into pieces. But, you know, you watch piece after piece, you can catch all the shows of Shalom, Dammit, featuring our own Rabbi Saul Solomon. And we want to thank Rabbi Saul for being here tonight and also for interviewing Bert Edwards. Catch him in Next Year in Jerusalem, playing at the Workshop Theater October 8th through October 31st. Go to workshoptheater.org to find out more. I want to thank Gwen and Jeff, our good friends, who made it possible for us to get to Bruce's Bar in Severance, Colorado. I want to give a shout out to the aforementioned Jeff Goodman in Las Vegas. Want well, to wish my mom and dad a very, very happy Rosh Hashanah and a very good, easy, fast on Yom Kippur. Also want to thank Mama and Papa Weil, my uh, terrific in-laws, and the wife that I love and adore so much, Joyce. Well, afraid we've got to go. I know it's the equinox, so make sure you stand an egg on its head or its tail or whatever you have to do to keep the egg upright. We go with something appropriate for the season and the sadness of it and the loss of Mary Travers. It's time to pick the flowers of the neighborhood, but we will be back very soon for the 318th episode of Dave's Gone By. Until then, don't miss your days going by. This is Dave Lefkowitz wishing you a good night, good knocks, and gone by.
4: Where have all the flowers gone?